Mojo Radio Show News. I say to you, you gotta have Mojo, baby. Yeah. News with a difference. Cheating is on the rise in the workplace, and it's a good thing. Who said you had to have all the ideas? No one person has a monopoly on all the world's great ideas. In fact, sometimes the most unlikely people can come up with the goods, and often that's because they don't feel restricted to the usual norms. Ask your partner, friends or family. Start verbalising or get the ball rolling in an open forum. The seed of an idea might come from your discussion and give you the jumpstart you need. Remember, it's always easy to get too close to a project, so putting a fresh head onto the idea might be just what's required. So it's not really cheating. It's just making the most of all available resources. Mind you, Gordon Gecko did say, cheating is good, cheating is right, cheating works. Live from the basement of Voodoo Sound, it's time to get your mojo working. I got my mojo working. Hey everybody and welcome to this week's edition of the Mojo Radio Show. Picture yourself walking into Harvard. You walk through the golden gates of Harvard. There are people everywhere with knapsacks on, intelligent people, grass, trees. You settle into one of the big halls and you listen to the professor, Spruik Values. Instead... In Mojo U, you've walked in, ACDC's playing a whole lot of Rosie. You sit down, you get two guys dressed in black T-shirts and jeans talking to you about how to get your mojo working. That is what our show is all about. We just interview interesting people that we think got their mojo working. We extract their tips, their tools, their opinions, their thoughts, so you can sit back in the hallowed halls of Mojo U and take in learnings about creativity and thinking and the brain and relationships, strategy, creativity, innovation. It's all here, all in one place, Mojo You, and our head lecturer, Robbo, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much, mate, and um, and head football coach. I think I'm, I'm going to um, put a sponsorship on the shirts of the under-14 Northern Barbarians this year from the Mojo University. No one will know <laughs> what the hell that is all about. And given the fact they're 14, they're probably well-equipped to wear our logo. That's right. Anyway. Absolutely. We have a big show this week. Couple of guests, so let's rock into it. The Mojo Radio Show. (laughs) We don't take ourselves too seriously. Oh, thank God. So our first guest today is an amazing lady. Is a mum of four who's created a worldwide brand and an award-winning brand at that in the health industry. And it's just an incredible story with lots of great learnings in it. And before we do that, a shout out to one of our listeners, Christina, who wrote to me and said, you have to talk to Jennifer Holland. Now, Jennifer is a lady, an Australian lady, who went to the doctor with her kid. At that time, she saw a problem that she believed she could fix. Years later, it's now a $15 million global business and an award-winning business, which we'll cover in this show. This is just a combination of getting after it, I had a dream, all the things you want from the Mojo University. And I'm delighted to have Jennifer with us. Jennifer, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. Thanks. That's a good start. (laughs) You're going to fit in real well. This is exactly how we roll. I've run on the ball this morning, as you can see, Monday morning, flying off to a great start. So let's- Would you like five minutes to go make a coffee? <laughs> I've got one. I actually have one. I haven't taken a sip yet. That's the problem. There you go. We've just solved it right there. What'll happen, Jennifer, is I'll ask a question, you answer it. I'll ask a question, you answer it. Is that, are you happy with that? Yeah. <laughs> Completely fine. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, uh, that's, that's fine. Go for it. Let's do this. Nah, yeah. It's all good. Hey, um, <laughs> just take me back, just to start at the start. We're going to talk through mm-hmm. this incredible business that you have built. Just take me back to that doctor's surgery some years ago when ThroatScope had its start. What, what was that day like? What happened? So I was uh, had my 15-month-old baby and I took him to the doctors. He seemed to be you know, suffering from a sore throat. So the doctor got out his wooden tongue depressor in one hand and his handheld torch in the other and then he asked me to place one hand around the top of my child's forehead and one hand around his arm. And then he tried to use the wooden tongue depressor to open his mouth, but um, he wouldn't open his mouth. So it was that distressing experience that actually led me to, yeah, go and have a look around and see what was out there. So you, you've got a 15-month-old. You've got this idea in your mind. 
what occurs to me is that there would have been people who potentially would have been in the same situation with an idea, but with a young child would have gone, you know what, I've got enough on my plate. Why did you decide to do this? Like what, what actually was the default in your mind that said, rather than just think about this and put the excuses in the way, I'm actually going to start? Uh, I think, um, you know, from a very young age, I always had this idea that I was going to do something a little bit different and I always was searching for something for many, many years. And it was, I think, at that moment when you have that personal experience with your child that you, you know, it really does force you to to take that extra step and to do something about it. So that was really, you know, that was where the idea was created and how I came up with it. But, um, you know, moving forward, um, my real passion for it came when I was at the hospital and my last child was eight months old and had a first reaction to peanuts. So she had an anaphylactic reaction and the two nurses were holding her down and a doctor was trying to pry open her mouth with a wooden tongue depressor. And that there was the moment my passion was really, or my drive was really, you know, set in and I was like, you know, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get this out there. So hearing that, Jen, it almost sounds like, you know, in a way the emotion that came with it being your own child was a bit more of a driver to actually do something about it. Would that be fair? Yeah, definitely. Um, Look, you know, I always had this sort of doer attitude where if I saw something that needed doing or if I I thought there was something that I could do about it, I would go and do it. So I always had that attitude. But then I really, you know, seeing something affect my child um, made me go and take that extra step. And then when I realised there was nothing out there, that really excited me to think what, what could happen? What, what, what could I create? When you look back through your career, have you always been curious? Is this something that you have had as a trait all of your life? Definitely. So um, when I was younger, I used to pull apart radios and all sorts of things to hmm. see how they operated. Uh, my parents hated it because I <laughs> most of the time couldn't put it back together. Uh, <laughs> but I look back now and I go, oh, okay, that kind of makes sense. We were introduced to each other by Christina at Ideation at Work and uh, I mentioned that earlier in the show. And what I was fascinated when Christina told me about, you had this idea, then you went and built a prototype. Where did you go and what did you build? (laughs) Um, Yes, I actually went to the reject shop. (laughs) Um, And I'm not giving the reject shop a plug right now, but... um, yeah, back uh, <laughs> when I first had the idea, I saw all the patents in existence and I went and, you know, looked at different ways you could get light travelling through plastic to make it a lot cheaper than what they currently had, which was a fibre optic cable running through the depressor. Um, so, yeah, I went to a shop and I actually bought a piece of polycarbonate plastic and a $1 LED torch and I taped it together and what I found was the actual LED torch um, bounced or travelled through the polycarbonate plastic and came out the end, therefore lighting up inside, you know, the mouse if you were to press the tongue with it. So let, let's describe throat scope the product. So we've had a, a prototype which has cost you two bucks. Four. You've yep. built this thing. Four bucks. Four bucks. <laughs> that much. <laughs> Okay, let's just say, Robert, less than $5. Um, (laughs) You built this prototype. (laughs) Yeah. Where has that led today? So as we sit here today, what have you invented and how is it being used around the world? So we have, from that $2.50 prototype, we now have a product that is being distributed into 150 countries worldwide, into doctors, surgeries, hospitals, uh, speech pathology clinics, vet, um, pediatrician offices, uh, ENT specialists, and homes around the world. So it's basically, you know, anything to do with an oral examination, throat scope is there to aid in that. Um, and the latest thing that we've just been advised, you know, from the US Oral Cancer Foundation is that throat scope is actually um, a great device to be able to use at home for a monthly checkup of oral, for oral cancer. So basically, you know, oral cancer is 
a visible type of cancer and people, if they were educated on what to look for in their mouth, they would know what to, you know, they'd be able to look for themselves at home monthly and the chances of their survival would be greatly increased. So, um, yeah, we're, we're going down that path now with the US Oral Cancer Foundation and um, we're hoping to bring or create a lot more awareness here in Australia as well by bringing the very first oral cancer screening clinics to pharmacies uh, by the end of 2017. Little Sam had one used on him the other week, Gaz. Last week. Well, this yeah, this is um, this is big, Robbo, because yeah. in the states, um, Throscope, this product has been it was, oh, let's say endorsed as the number one diagnostic tool for oral cancer. Wow! And in a, in America, someone dies of oral cancer every hour. Is that right? Wow. Yeah, that's correct. If I take you back to the reject store, or the dollar shop, and you had this prototype. Did you always believe in yourself that you could do something like this? I think I always believed I wanted to do something different. And I always had that attitude and I always, you know, had that motivation or the passion to do something and really set my mind to it. And that's that's important, but also, you know, never giving up is so important. And I have, like, I just, I'm that person. <laughs> you don't call me back, I will continue to call you. <laughs> so, um, in the school of Gary Birtwistle. <laughs> all of that together really helps in anything that you do. If we went back to the very start of this, what advice would you give yourself? Oh, there's so many things. There's so many things that, you know, you go down different paths in business and you think, oh, well, you know, that was a waste of time. Why didn't I just do it this way? But I think what you take away from it and what you learn out of everything you do is that every path will lead you in a different direction but it will actually present you with different opportunities and not every single one will help you or, or be part of the, you know, what you call a success. But then there's the other paths that don't open up if you don't go down there and I think that, um, you know, what I'd always say to myself or what I'd always, something that I'll always take out of it is just, you know, you've got to keep going no matter what, no matter what steps in your way or something knocks you down or pulls you back. Um, you know, my favourite saying is today is no, is tomorrow's yes. And it's so simple that if you hear the word no, ask the, ask the question why, because that could be your opportunity to turn that no into a yes. That's gold. <laughs> you've invested a lot of money in this. And I think the report I saw is you've put over a hundred grand of your own money into this. You also have a young family, which I'll get on to in a second. So you've got four kids. You're tipping a lot of money into this. What gave you the courage to have a go and invest Invest behind this idea when you had a family and so much on the line? Uh, it was definitely, you know, I think I spoke to my husband. We decided to use our, all our savings, 150000 It's a difficult step. It's a difficult, it's something to, you know, do I take that risk? You couldn't. I don't even know to this day how we we ended up doing it, but we did. One of the, the big steps in making this all happen was you going on the television show Shark Tank and getting picked up and funded. How did you prepare? Because you went on and you actually were successful in getting a shark on board. What what did you go through to prepare for that? It, it's a big process and you need to be over-prepared um, no matter what you know, whether it's going on Shark Tank or whether it's just pitching to an investor, you need to really know your numbers. You need to have everything in line and over-prepare is the only key that you can do. I went in there armed after watching 108 episodes of the US Shark Tank. I was prepared and I knew, you know, what sort of questions they would be asking. I made sure that I knew everything right down to, you know, the cost of everything that went into our device, where it was manufactured, how I could manufacture it because it was pre-sales. So it was even more difficult than going in there with a company that already had proven sales. Um, so I knew exactly, you know, my forecast for the product. I knew the little, you know, markets that it would be, you know, work well in and um, I think, you know, the best thing you can do is show that you are passionate because passion excites others and if you can excite those investors that you're pitching to, then you will be successful. I was told that you had photos of the sharks up in your home <laughs> and you spoke to them each day. Is that true? 
<laughs> I will not confirm or deny that. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's what he read on Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what did you, what did um, you say to the next day, Jennifer? <laughs> look, it was a good way. Um, you know, I read somewhere that uh, someone did that in the US and they felt like they felt comfortable with them because um, they got to know their faces and, and then it was also knowing their names and a little bit about them. So I did, yeah, do that. <laughs> that's, a, that's actually a brilliant strategy. Yeah, I think it's great. Really clever. I felt very comfortable in that room with them, I can tell you, and that was the reason. See, I, I think that is just a wonderful piece of strategy when you're going into a presentation or whether you're doing a speech at a wedding, whatever it may mm. be, is have done the work, know your numbers, show them you're passionate about it, but also having been able to visualise the person or persons you are presenting in front of. Jen, I reckon that's just gold. Yeah, it did. Look, it worked very well, um, particularly I knew that I needed to be a little bit more uh, on the ball because I wasn't, a, you know, proven sales at that point. So, um, just feeling comfortable with them and knowing that, you know, I could, I don't know, it just makes you feel relaxed. Like you kind of mm. go, I went in there and went, oh, I know Janine. Janine does this, that and the other. <laughs> <laughs> now, even with that preparation, it's obviously, you know, you were nervous going in to present to the Sharks and it was some advice from your four-year-old that actually got you through it. What did he say? Uh, he, <laughs> just before we were walking in, they actually changed how we were going to do the pitch. So it really threw me because, you know, for three months I've been practicing my pitch. So I, they said to me, look, instead of your son coming in with you afterwards and you could do an examination on him, he's going to walk down that, you know, shark tank corridor with you. And I thought, oh, my God, what are you doing to me? <laughs> now I've got to change my pitch right here on the spot two seconds before I walk down. Um, you know, so at that moment I looked, and I was quite flustered and I looked down at my son and he said, Mum, if you can look after four of us each day, as if you can't do this. So <laughs> still to this day, I always revert back to that because I think, you know what, if you can negotiate with a two-year-old toddler, you can pretty much do anything. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, it was his advice that helped me get through there and as soon as those doors opened um, and I saw the sharks, I was completely relaxed and ready to go. So, yeah, beautiful. And you'd still be using that advice today, wouldn't you, surely? Oh, definitely. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jennifer, you've called yourself a 100% stay-at-home mum. You've got three kids in school, one in preschool. And you've got a business which is now running in 150 countries around the world. What are your tips for making all this work? How does Jennifer manage to do all this? You know, as you get as you grow, you kind of learn to juggle a little bit more. I try to do as much work as possible um, after my children go to bed and before they wake up in the morning. Um, during the day, obviously, when my preschooler is at two, a school two days a week is really... Um, handy as well uh, but the the rest of the time you just I think m my children have grown up completely 100% in the business with us so they're on the packaging they promote it with advertising they do lots of different things and I try to make them involved as much as possible and where I can and that's important because then they completely understand, you know, why mummy needs to take a phone call or why mummy needs to, you know, go away for a week to the US or something like that. And it, it makes it's made the process so much easier for me. I've, you know, even when I have a question or I've, I'm consulting my husband on something that's happening in the business, my children most of the time will come in and actually be involved in that. They talk about it as well. So... Um, I, I'm pretty sure that my um, three-year-old will be running the business in the next couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> so she sits up in meetings with me. I have her, She, a lot of the time she'll be sitting down in the office with us. She'll um, come to Sydney. She'll, you know, be wherever I am. I've had four children in a meeting before. So, you know, um, you just do what you can do and the most of the time people understand. What impact do you think it's had on the children? Like how how do you think this has helped 
build the character of the children. How is this beneficial to the kids, do you reckon? I think it has built their confidence, but it has also given them an understanding that if you really work hard at something, that anything is possible because I can see that in my children now um, and even in their homework that they do. Like they'll put a lot more effort in, whereas, and I feel very lucky in that area that they, um, or even, you know, just getting to cross country and all those different things, um, I'll put in more effort because, you know, I, I always say to them, never give up. You may not do it the first time, but you'll be able to do it. You'll get there. You'll get there. And I believe that. So in my belief, I think it really shows to my children and then they can really understand it and they, they use it every day. If you were a, a mum or an entrepreneur who has this burning idea, they've got a problem they believe that they could solve, that no one else has solved or no one else has solved well. If you were them, what's the first thing you would do? Search for it. There's so many things on on Google, uh, you know, that you can search for. You, it's just so easy to find more information on what you're looking at. So many people come to me with an idea and say, oh, I've got this amazing idea. And I said, oh, yeah, okay, what is it? Oh, no, I can't tell you. And I say, have you searched on it? Is anyone else doing it? Oh, no, 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 I haven't done that yet. Um, It's so important to make sure, you know, to actually type it in, see if there's something out there. If there's not something there, then you're you're on to something. If there is something there, then how can you make it better? And put that in writing. And if you can, go and build it. Build it yourself in your shed. Knock something up. See if you can make it. It's You know, it's such a good point, Jennifer, because what started with a $4 product as a prototype has now become a something. And you are heading to New York City, I believe, for the Edison Awards. And it's probably fair to say that Thomas Edison, big fan of the show. Tomo, Edo's, Edinator. Tomo. (laughs) Tomo. What are the Edison Awards and what does this mean in terms of your throat scope product? The Edison Awards are an internationally recognised innovation award. Um, They have thousands of entrants um, for the award each year and they have different categories. So throat scope has been nominated in the patient and wellness health section of the Edison Awards and basically it's it, it's recognising our innovation and our product and what we're trying, you know, to achieve worldwide and uh, the recognition is just, you know, absolutely amazing. Um, they have 3,000 people who judge you across the US who are all professionals and, um, and that's how they come up with the, the winners and then um, they put you into the gold, silver or bronze category. So... In April on the 20th, we will be um, finding out which one we have won. And, uh, yeah, we're very excited. It's, it's an amazing result and it, it, it goes to show, you know, it takes a whole team to do things like this. And I feel very lucky that our team is being recognised. You, you're guaranteed of a gold, silver or bronze, aren't you? Yes, that's correct. And I think, Robert, that's going to look fantastic in the trophy cabinet right next to the Mojo radio show Soap on a Rope. Well, <laughs> the Soap on a Rope would have to take pride of place, of course, but... You know, in fact, sitting in the background of that, a little <laughs> glint of gold would just set off the pink quite nicely, I think. Imagine imagine the photo from New York City, worldwide acclaim, <laughs> when Jennifer wins the gold and she's got the gold battle hanging around neck, next to our soap on a rope. I can, I can see it. I think the kids might take care of the soap on a rope. I think so. Just before we let you go, Jennifer, what was the, when you first started doing this and you built the prototype, did you have a dream in mind? Did you, was there something you could see even when you went to that reject shop to start this process? I just wanted to see throat scope being used in every single doctor's surgery and, um, and, and also bringing the very first oral examination tool to mum at home. Just one last thing before you go has just come to mind for me. A number of shows ago in the latter part of 2016, we interviewed a, a fabulous lady called Alicia Beverly Mayer who is an expert in intellectual property. And the show was great. We had to break it up into two parts because we were 
so impressed by Alicia and the information she gave about protecting ideas was so intriguing. How have you gone about doing that? Is that a big process? Because there would be people who have ideas, grab their $4 prototype, as you now expand and potentially could win the Edison Awards, which would go big time global, How? what advice would you give to somebody on protecting an idea? It is so important. It is so important to have protection. And everyone that I spoke to early days, I put a confidentiality agreement in place. And the first thing I did after I had that prototype and realized the light bounce through the blade to come out the end, I put down a provisional patent. So that provisional patent formed the basis of what my idea was. And then from that moment forward, I actually had 12 months to create the commercial prototype that you see today. And then I put down the PCT patent, which is the next step. Um, so, you know, I made sure that I was protected. And the other thing is make sure that if you have a really great name for your product or even, you know, whatever it is, your service, make sure you have a trademark on it. It's so important to protect that. That first patent, was it a PPC, PTC, what was it called? Uh, the PCT. PCT. Where does someone go to do that? Did you use an attorney or someone to do it for you? Did you do it yourself? So I actually searched myself online, found eight patents in existence, all based on a fibre optic cable running through the blade. Um, I based all my research then on working out my $2.50 prototype off that, uh, off those actual designs. Once I realised that there was a gap and there was nothing out there for the last 20 years being patented, um, I then went to a US solicitor and actually had a US patentability search done. Cost me probably about $300 US at the time, but it just made sure that the patents, the eight patents that I'd come up with online were the only ones out there. And that was definitely the case. So then I was happy that I'd completed that, you know, very small initial outlay for a search. So then I took it to a patent attorney and I said, I need your help with this. And I had some very basic designs drawn up on CAD and sent over for our very first provisional patent. Um, There are companies like... uh, patent attorneys out there who work with startup companies and will give you um, a lot cheaper rates. It's just a matter of finding those companies. Mm. It's so important, isn't it? That's right, yeah. Mm. It's funny, I have... uh here in the studio, whenever Robbo said he has a sore throat, I just wave a Tim Tam in front of him and he automatically goes, ah, <laughs> and uh, I find, but I don't know if I can, I don't, do you think it's patentable? Oh, definitely. <laughs> Who sort of a Tim Tam advice does a throat go why, why do I put up with this guy, Jen? What, <laughs> why do I sit here week in, week out? Seriously. <laughs> Jennifer, thank you so much for your time. Good luck in the finals. Bring home the gold. Uh, for anybody listening, Jennifer, who wants to find out more about you and Throat Scope, where would you send people? Uh, we have, you'd go to www.throatscope.com. Or we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And they just search, I suspect, Throat Scope. Is that the easiest way to find you on all the social channels? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time. It's been absolutely delight chatting with you. Um, mm. We really appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to hearing some great news from New York City. Yeah, make sure you let us know. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful talking to you. The Mojo Radio Show. It's been a strong couple of weeks for the ladies on the Mojo Radio Show in the last two weeks, hasn't it? Lane Beachley last week, Jennifer today. Tell you what, they're going strong. We have got some amazing leaders who are all girls coming up on the show in the future. And I just think, I mean, regardless of whether it's guys or girls, we just look for people who've got something to share with their mojo working. And Mm. um, I just think Jennifer's story is fantastic. And we're going to segue from, it's going to stay in the health lane way, but we're going to take a little exit ramp here and talk about adaptogens and mushrooms and cordyceps and basically elixirs that make us feel good. And these guys are getting after it. It's a Mojo Show Double Double Shot Shot Monday. Hit me with your best shot. Fire away. 
We used to talk about mushrooms a lot in our radio days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You remember our good friend, Diane McGrath? Yes, of course. So Diane is a good mate of the show and potentially in the coming years could be one of the first people to set up an established community on Mars, the planet Mars. Now, Diane is a fascinating lady and we've been going backwards and forwards on the email sharing different stuff. Anyway, in one of the emails, Diane said, oh, by the way, Gary, I've started taking black ants. Right. Yeah, right. It doesn't surprise me, but tell me more. Anyway, so Diane introduced me to a company called T-Lixer and I've got Daniel on the line. Now, T-Lixer does loads of different stuff, but as you can imagine, it's teas that are elixirs. And apart from having black ants, they have a whole bunch of stuff based on mushrooms. And I just thought that with our drive for health and wellness as being a critical part of our mojo, including libido, uh, it'd be good to have a chat to Daniel. So, Daniel Whitechurch, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show, mate. Thank you. Nice to be here. Now, just before we get into it, mate, I I understand that your your background is you play in a band. Is that right, mate? Is that is that's good? And the, and the reason I ask the question is because the band leads into the backstory behind your business, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I play in a band called Miami Horror. We're, we're formed in Melbourne probably around eight or nine years ago, I think. And so over that last period, we've been, you know, touring pretty extensively for that whole time. And I think in the early years, it was it was really, really crazy when we, I think our first album was in 2010. So from that Sort of leading up to that, and then you know, for the few years um, after we put it out, it was just relentless touring around the world, and I just, you know, completely burned myself out. You know, with that sort of schedule and that lifestyle of just you know catching planes and driving vans all day and not sleeping, and like you know, in the early days we're partying as well, and it was just like I was super young, like you know, twenty three, twenty four, and. I just completely drained myself and I was, you know, doing all these amazing things and seeing these amazing places and, you know, playing music and stuff. And I was pretty much living the dream, but the truth of it was that I was just so depleted and so sick. And every time I would come off tour, you know, to have like a brief few weeks or a month off and I'd come home and I would just like literally be in bed, like sick and having like crazy gnarly viruses and just not functioning. And like, I wasn't really, happy like even though I was doing all these amazing things and had these great opportunities it just wasn't like I wasn't I I didn't know how to manage my life or really have a balance so I sort of just started asking like the questions like how can I make this better like because you know when you're 24 years old and you're like this sick and run down it's like that's not it doesn't feel very good it's a pretty scary thing so I was you know I just really I started asking the questions like how can I make this better and how do I manage my life so I can continue to do this but not feel sick and tired while I was doing it. So, yeah, I, I, when I was about 25, I moved to LA and I, my whole world sort of like opened up. That's like the center of the world for, you know, health and wellness and there's like all these juice bars and like tonic bars and, you know, I can go down the street and just like, buy medicinal mushrooms at my market and, you know, tonic herbs. And I was just like, I just sort of threw myself into that world and sort of started studying nutrition and, you know, spirituality and meditation and all these things and, you know, doing yoga every day and just like really figured it all out how I can, you know, use herbal medicine as a way to sort of balance my life and not get sick anymore. So So how did you, how did you know that, it was the, let's call them medicinal mushrooms just to start with, and we'll dig into that as we go through the show. Yeah. How did, you, how did you come to believe that that was going to be a cornerstone of you changing your health and starting to turn things around? It, it, it didn't happen immediately. It was sort of like, I mean, I basically went to LA and sort of just became a vegan. You know, I tried multiple things and I would just like do – juice cleanses and get colonics and go have saunas and stuff and just learned a lot about like detox 
because um, I was 25 years of just eating junk food and like partying just like completely destroyed me. So I just wanted to like really clear all of that stuff out. So I, I you know, I went to that and, you know, a vegan diet just didn't work for me eventually. It was a good short-term solution of, you know, the first year or two I felt amazing. But beyond that, it was just like that depleted me again. So I was like, okay, so this isn't the answer either. Like my immunity is still completely destroyed. Um, so I needed something else. So, and then I started studying tonic herbalism really. And like there was a teacher, Ron Teagarden, who owns another company called Dragon Herbs in the States. And I just started, you know, religiously like reading about tonic herbs. And, you know, I just bought some you know, a bottle of like Chinese medicine formula off Amazon one time. And, you know, it's specifically targeting adrenal fatigue and uh, like it's like a, a gene formula basically. And I started taking that. And then there was another formula I got online and I would, I'd make like hot drinks out of it. And it was, it was like a spiritual experience when I was like tasting this stuff. It was just like I could feel it just go. So you've created tea elixir and is it right to say that tea elixir is like a concentrated version of certain mushrooms? Is that kind of what, what the business is built on? The benefit of living in LA was I just saw all these companies and how popular these, you know, these herds and these mushrooms were becoming. And there was nothing like that in Australia. Like you couldn't, you could barely find them anywhere. So I was fantasizing about bringing this to Australia basically. And so I just started searching with my partner Jules um, in Australia. And yeah, we just started getting all these extracts of tonic herbs and the mushrooms and we started importing them. And he already, Jules had a previous superfood company and we sort of got rid of that and then just started tea leaks together. Just run the mushroom. Yeah, yeah. So you've done this for a little while. You've talked us through what it was like before you had these tonics. You're still in the band, you're living in LA, you're touring pretty hard still. How do you feel now in comparison to how you felt back in the day before you started this journey? And what would you say are the critical differences in your health, wellness, mind, body? And like, what are the critical things you notice that are different, Daniel? Oh, I mean, it's (laughs) the world's apart. I mean, I feel younger than I did you know, 10 years ago. Absolutely. It's, it was a game changer when I started taking these. It's, you know, I I haven't been sick in a long, long time. I used to get really crazy allergies my whole life. Um, living in Melbourne as well as like a crazy pollen city. And, you know, since I started taking ratio, all these mushrooms that they just build my immunity, I like, that's completely gone. I don't remember the last time I ever came down with hay fever or something like it was debilitating for me. Um, so that's, that's one example. I mean, I just, and the amount of energy that I have now, and I still have crazy touring schedules, you know, like we were in Spain last year and we have shows that like that start at three, four in the morning. And then you, you have to get on in a car or to drive to the airport or something at 7am. And like, I can, I can better function and balance my life because I'm taking these. So, yeah, it's 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 been incredible. I I owe so much to them, and I think before we, I really just when I was starting to leak. So my initial intention was not really to be a businessman or an entrepreneur. It was I I just wanted access to these herbs so I could keep touring the world and like being healthy. I it wasn't, but then I as you know, Tealixa grew. I realized that everyone is like feeling fatigued and like deprived of sleep and la- low energy. I was like, wow, this, this is a really, really big problem for a lot of people. And, you know, that sort of motivated me to really share all this information with the world. I think it's interesting. There's actual science that sits behind this, Daniel, and you can sort of yeah. add to this, but I was sort of digging at the whole mushroom thing, pardon the pun there, Robbo, but um, I was digging my way through the, mushroom compost and there are in the walls in the actual walls of the mushroom it's said there are things called beta glucans which are an adaptogen 
And what I'm led to believe is that this science behind it is they hit the receptor sites in our lower intestines and actively build our immune cells. And I'd heard about this and I'd read about that. And what's interesting is that one of the first things you said and the difference you noticed was you're not getting as sick. Is that something that now in your journey you have noticed for people who buy into this sort of, let's call it herbal tonic thing, is that something you, as I said, there's a science behind it. Have you noticed that anecdotally with your customers or people you mix with who are taking sort of herbal tonics? Yeah, 100%. I mean, we've had a lot of people that have come to us that are suffering from, you know, chronic fatigue or really bad viral conditions and things like that. And they'll, they'll take these for a period of time and they're, they're just gone. Um, I've That was my case as well. I just constantly suffering from different viruses and things and I completely eradicated them using a whole range of different mushrooms. Um, but yeah, so beta-glucans are basically a, a poly type of polysaccharide and that's um, where most of the immune-modulating effects of mushrooms come from. And yeah, they're, <laughs> they're just incredible. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. It's also said, and you mentioned this briefly at the top of the show, you said that um, you feel younger. There, There's a lot of evidence now to suggest that the, uh, let's call it mushrooms and or mushroom tonics uh, are considered to extend our longevity in life. Um, and in some cases also good for the libido. Do you uh, <laughs> have any personal experience yeah. here, mate? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, cordyceps mushroom is a well-known libido enhancer. Uh, there's many other tonics, kosher woo, shizandra berry. <laughs> it's quite an endless list. I just think there, most of these herbs are adaptogens, which you mentioned, which basically just allows your body to bring it back into homeostasis um, and equilibrium so that you're feeling normal and your body is functioning at an optimal state. And, and, you know, balances all your hormones. And, and when you're in that state, of course, things like that, your libido and sex drive is going to increase because you're feeling healthy. That a healthy human being should have healthy sex drive. That's, that's a natural thing. So, yeah, well, I mean, reishi mushroom is also the most well-studied herb in the entire world, like in terms of scientific, you know, studies that have been going on it and they come from a crazy Taoist lineage which is people say five to ten thousand years old like that's how long these herbs have been used and documented and it's it's crazy you know the amount of evidence out there that these things can really seriously optimize your immune health and support your hormones and your brain and everything i just want to run the uh cordyceps and i just did some i just did some um some clarity on this. Now, my belief is that cordyceps are like a, a fungus type thing. It's an edible fungal thing, like a mushroom. But I'm led to believe that it's harvested in the high mountain regions of the world, around the Himalayas and stuff. But it actually, it's actually grown on the back of caterpillars. Is that, yeah. is that true? And I, I'm picturing a whole bunch of monks on their knees picking up an individual <laughs> caterpillar with a pair of tweezers <laughs> and taking these cultures. How is it done? Like, is that true? And how, how do you get a hold of this stuff? Well, that's wild cordyceps. And that, so they're actually the most expensive herb in the world. I think they're going between ten to $20,000 US per kilo or per pound or something it's crazy so yeah you're absolutely right and the image that you said is pretty much accurate there's a lot of people in tibet small villages up in the high altitudes of the himalayas basically rely on cordyceps to get through the you know season for the for their money um but unfortunately there's you know very lack of uh, the cordyceps left right now and you know there's a lot of wars and things like that because it is such a it's like gold basically yeah, right. over there we've always got a couple of kilos here in the studio so if we're running short yeah, then yeah, mate, just yeah. uh, Robbo and I have always got we'd, we'd never go anywhere without a little, little, little bag of cordyceps <laughs> I know I mean that's how highly regarded and valuable they, they are but um, 
so fortunately now that they've, you know, technology has, has advanced, they've been able to take a strain of the wild cordyceps and basically, you know, from the mycelium and basically ferment it. Um, well, there's a few different ways, but the best kind is fermenting the mycelium and they can create an extract out of that. Um, and so that's, that's a product called um, CS4. So that, that's a little bit different because it, it's obviously a lot better because it's cheaper and it's not, you know, it's a lot more sustainable and everything like that. Um, but it still has the same effects as what wild cordyceps would normally give a person. You guys talk about traditional Chinese medicine and I've seen you post stories on Jing herbs, J-I-N-G herbs. Could you run that for us? What's a Jing herb? Jing is basically in Taoist tradition. So they have, there's basically three treasures um, in like Chinese medicine. So Jing being the first one, Qi, which a lot of people have heard of, um, and then Shen, which is more like your mind, your aura, your mental state, how happy you are and, and your but Jing really is the foundation. So people, a lot of people just run on like stimulants all day, like coffee and like energy drinks or whatever to keep them going through the day. Cause that, and that's their chi, right? But you, if you don't have like a foundation, a base um, of energy, you just, that's when you burn out. So people with Jing deficiency, like me, who was just completely drained, run down, have like lower back problems, like, all these things because I was just completely just going so hard, working too much, which a lot of people can relate to. So there's herbs like, you know, Hoshuwu, Cordyceps, Reishi, all these things that really nourish Jing and it really, it kind of resides in the kidneys, which, you know, kidneys are is a very powerful organ where it basically can just distribute the energy to the areas in the body that are deficient. Like, so, but when you run out of Jing, that's when you start, you know, getting brain fog and like just crashing, you know, 11 a.m. or whatever it is. Um, so you can really use herbs to, you know, fix all that stuff. Robbo, I'm thinking we need a couple of buckets of gin in the studio here, mate. Totally. <laughs> if, it's if, basically, if, we can, if we can get past 11 a.m., that's yeah. a big day. That's a big well, day. I was, the other thing I was going to say was, I mean, in all our years in radio, we were taking mushrooms regularly and I don't remember any of these side effects. <laughs> we certainly had our jing working. Totally. I, I think of it like mojo as well. That's it's oh, really, if you're, if, you're, if you're lacking jing, like you're not yourself. It's, it's really the essence of who you are. And I, I think of that's what mojo almost translates for me as well. So let's, let's, let's get our jing back. We buy into you and we buy into Jules, love the idea, love the backstory. We're sold on the mushroom tonic herb from everything from libido, brain fog, immunity, feeling well, energy. So we buy into it. How do I use T-Lixter? So you guys have gotten together. You've designed this range of products. Diane McGrath, who put us in touch, she absolutely loves them. She swears by them. How do I use them, Daniel? What's the what's the normal go to when we yeah. buy your product? So our first formula was one called a primal, which is like a blend of uh, tonic herbs, which nourish its focus on gene because that's truly what me and Jules believe is you know people are most efficient in in this world. Um, so that's that's basically like a smoothie ready blend. It's that's the most probably the the most delicious thing was made. So you can literally add that to like your smoothie or any cakes that you're baking or raw treats or really anything like, but then if there's something like a reishi mushroom, which is a little bit more bitter, you can add that to a tea or to your coffee. Um, and these, you know, these herbs just, you can just stir them right in. They're, they're water soluble. Um, yeah, very easy. So I think there's a few ones that are different tasting, like, bitterness that I mentioned about the reishi and chaga is also quite bitter. So you compare them with like chocolate things they go really well with. So if you're making like a chocolate dessert or, you know, hot chocolate or so, yeah, they're, they're very quite diverse and, you know, we're, we're starting to really ramp up the whole recipes and things that we've been posting recently um, on our blog, on our site. So 
Yeah, the, I mean, salad dressings my girlfriend and I have made before. It, it's just, it's endless, really. And it's, and we also want to make it so simple that people can like incorporate them into everyday foods where I think that's also lacking in, you know, other brands and other arenas that I've seen. It's just, no one really knows how to use this stuff because they were traditionally just boiled, you know, the raw herb was boiled and made into a tea and you would just drink it. But I mean, people don't have the time for that. So it's more about making it as simple as possible for everyone. Um, and if you're really badass, you just like get a spoon and eat it. <laughs> that sounds like us, mate. Put it uh, in your cool. mouth. Yeah, totally. That's us. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Reckon wash down with the yeah. wash down with the Corona just and Tim Tams. All right, yeah, let's get, yeah. That's it. Let's get this done. <laughs> yeah, uh, how, <laughs> chocolate mushrooms. How much mm. do we need of this, Daniel? So I'm I'm buying into the whole thing, and I love the whole Jing vibe. Uh, yeah. How how much? How often in a day is it a once a day thing, like a vitamin tablet? Is it a, what's what's your recommendation? Uh, I would yeah, basically. So the tonic herbs classes tonic herbs is because they are completely safe and they're very gentle and effective, and it's okay to take them for the rest of your life, basically. So it's they're just superfoods, really. So yeah, I mean, we recommend like half a teaspoon of most of our products. Um, minimum per day um and then you can you know obviously ramp that up if you you know if you're traveling or something i'll probably triple that um every day and yeah you can start from there and you can increase and you know i also cycle often sometimes um depend depending on how you know how what my schedule is like or you know wherever i am um because I, I, I just feel like they also can be more effective. Your body start, tends to get used to some things and then they don't work as effective. So you have a little break a couple of days or a week or whatever, and then you, you go, back on, go back on them. So, um, yeah. Robbo and I have been speaking to a few guests uh, probably the last 12 months about probiotics and prebiotics as well, Daniel, and I'm led to believe that this stuff is also a prebiotic which can assist the gut and provide good flora in our system. Um, is that true? Yeah. The mushrooms are a prebiotic, which is basically the food that the probiotics need to work in our yeah, intestines. When The last time I spoke to Diane, she said that Robbo and I had to try black ants, uh, which got me terribly interested in you guys and black ants because Robbo and I are both having crickets now. So, in fact, I had them this morning uh, in my smoothie. We are we're, we're big on the big on cricket season. In fact, the end of the cricket season, we're big on cricket season. Uh, sh- where I'm, I'm, inter- I'm interested in ants. What's the uh, what's the go with the black ants? Why? How do I take them? What do they taste like? They're, they're quite interesting taste. A little bit more bitter as well. Um, and I think that you know, the, I love bitter foods just because that's. I think that's where the medicine is. I know how powerful they are. Um, po- yeah, polyrhachis ant is another jing food. All foods that are black, so shaga mushroom. Ants, hoshu wu, anything that's chia seeds, blackberries, they're jing foods. So, and the ant is actually the, has the highest amount of zinc out of any food in the world. And zinc obviously plays an important role in many functions in the body, immune system, reproductive system, brain. So that's one huge reason why we take it. Um, and, you know, super high in protein, again, like crickets, sustainable source of protein. Um, yeah, they're, they're just amazing for the, for the kidneys, for the liver, for the brain, so many, so many things. Um, that was probably one of the first tonics that I started taking when I stopped being a vegan. I really realized that I needed something more than just plant medicine. Um yeah, that's that's I've I've been taking that every day, and that's such a special herb for me. You know, when I'm on tour as well, because it it just gives it's like an energy drink, really. But without the, it's an adaptogen, so it doesn't deplete you in any way. It just really gets you ramped up, and that's another very big libido enhancer. And do you sell black ants? Yeah, it's a it's a extract of polyrhachis. Ant, which is a species of ant um, in China. 
you can you can also give these these herbs to your dog. We I give my dog cordyceps mushroom every day. And my dog's going to be running scared soon because I'm not going to be going to the butchers anymore. I'm going to be going shopping in the backyard. Uh, Crickets yeah, and ants yeah, yeah. and God knows what else. <laughs> the dog will be hiding in the corner going, leave me Two alone. things. Number one, uh, for anybody listening, Robbo and I, we're not in, we're getting nothing out of this. This is not a plug for the show because we get a 10% kickback or anything. There's no, it's purely because I believe this can help people and I'm fascinated by the science behind these um, herbs. And I love what the boys are doing here. The second thing is if people buy into this, Daniel, uh, and they want to try and get on board, would the primal tonic be the first place you would send them on your range? Uh, It's one of the staples for sure that we offer. Um, It depends where you're at. I mean, everyone's bodies are different. Everyone's going through different stages of their life. And, and I, you know, mostly, if you're 25 years and older, I think you probably need it. Yeah, I don't know how healthy everyone are, but, you know, that would be – it's a good start. If you've never tried tonic herbs or anything, it is a good start. Um, but, you know, everything we sell is obviously super safe and gentle and easy to use and all that stuff. But, yeah, a primal is really the starting point to getting into this for sure. So I grabbed my primal. You said it could be put into coffee. How, what's the blend? How do you how do you recommend people drink it as part of their coffee? Because we hear about fatty coffee, we hear about bulletproof coffee, we hear about MCT oils and blah blah. So everyone's got their own recipe for how they improve their health with the base being coffee. How, how does it work with a primal blend in a coffee? How would you do it? Uh, well, the problem with some coffees, not all coffees, but a lot of them are very depleting and they put a lot of strain on the adrenals. So if you add something like shaga mushroom or reishi mushroom to coffee, it really protects it. So you don't, you know, that crashing feeling um, you get, you know, at the middle of the day is basically your adrenals just crashing out. And so adding these tonic herbs, they can really stop that. So, you know, we, I add, and I, you know, I'm not a huge coffee drinker, but when I do drink it, I'm always putting chaga in it. Chaga is also one of the most alkaline foods in the world, and coffee is notorious for being highly acidic as well. So it really, it just really upgrades your coffee in quite a number of ways. You know, the main thing being that it doesn't let you crash. Does it make your coffee taste like crap? <laughs> Uh, no, I'm just depends. saying because I just don't know what it tastes like. So having not tried it, I just don't want to go and spoil my coffee for well, the day. Like I'm just, oh, I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> That's got to be the most out there question you've ever asked in 120 something episodes, Bert Whistle. <laughs> That's a very common question. I mean, because coffee is actually really good to, for adding these herbs because coffee is already bitter. Reishi and chaga is already bitter. So to be honest, you can't really taste it that much. All oh, right. And okay. primal already tastes so good. Yeah, it's not going. It's not going to affect it. <laughs> okay, we're going we we to crack it. I mean, crickets, ants, mushrooms. We're we're all over it. If it's an insect yep. and it moves, or it grows, or it's fungal, goodness <laughs> knows you know your way around a bit of fungus. Oh, uh, God knows I know my way around a bit of fungus. I'm just picturing the kids walking out in the garden, going, "Dad, why are you eating that cicada?" Yeah. <laughs> That'll be the next thing. <laughs> Daniel, this has been great. Where do um where do we send people to find out more about you and Jules and the business? Yeah, thanks a lot. Um so yeah, if any listeners, you know, are interested more in this stuff and they want to um buy it, uh I've created a code um from Mojo. You can just type in M O J O and you can get fifteen percent off. Um if you're yeah, more interested. Uh so our website is tlixer.com, that's T-E-E-L-I-X-I-R.com. And, yeah, you can find everything there, basically. We've got a whole bunch of information, different blog posts. We've also got a health goals page that can really help you identify, you know, maybe which herbs you'd like to start off with. So if you're lacking energy and you want to – or you're feeling stressed out, we've got a whole section that says different herbs that are like reishi and – Shazandra that can calm your nervous system and things like that, you know. So depending on where you're at, there's, there's quite a few different things that you can yeah check out. So and you better give yeah. the um you better give the band a plug as well, mate. Where do we find out more about? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So 
Mimi Horror, uh, we're touring at the moment. We're just about to release a new EP called The Shapes. Um, so, yeah, we're, we played our first show in Perth on the weekend. Nice. Now, before we let you go, we're going we're gonna to actually play out from you uh, with a Miami Horror song. If there was a song... For those of us who aren't familiar with the band, there's one song that's going to give me the best indication as to what the vibe of the band is all about. Give me a track we can play. Um, okay. Well, our, I guess our biggest hit was probably back in 2010 with Sometimes. Um, I would probably go with that. Good luck with the tour, mate. Yeah, yeah thanks so much. So there you go, Double Shot Monday. Double Shot Monday, and I think they're um, they're both just terrific stories. Yeah, absolutely. And Aussie stories too, which is nice. Yeah, the T-Lixer one I think is is especially interesting for people because I do think we are suffering from a lot of adrenal fatigue. We're suffering a lack of energy, a lack of clarity of thought. And if you go back to some where some of these adaptogens and some of these herbs stem from with the, as we call it, the Jing the Jing herbs, there's a lot of history behind this stuff and uh, I really acknowledge the guys. In fact, both Jennifer and Daniel have fixed their own problems. Their friends liked the idea they had and they've commercialised it and they're getting after it. Yeah. There's a lot to be said for fixing your own problem, isn't there? The Mojo Radio Show. All right, big show. We should get out of here and close down this episode of the Mojo University. Uh, what are we going to finish with? Well, you came up with a bit of a suggestion before, I think. I'm not sure what you're on this morning, but you came up with Cher. <laughs> Look, it's, it's odd, but that's what the show's all about, right? We, yeah. don't, we don't do anything prescriptively, so no, to speak. No, predictably unpredictable. That's right. That's and right. And we, we push up against anything that's comfortable. And I reckon that if we play share, mm. anyone who's been on the journey of the Mojo Radio Show will know that that's going to cause some friction, in mm-hmm. Colin's words. Mm-hmm. Now, here's my thinking behind it. You finish this show right now, right here, right today. Mm-hmm. And if you took one little step, one little step towards the dream you've got in your mind. And I like the idea that Daniel and Jennifer both saw problems they personally had and they fixed them. But imagine if you did that right today. In five years' time, somebody will come to you and say, how did you, uh, how did you do it? And you'd have to then turn back time. Ah, nice. To this moment right now. But we don't think about that. We think about our dreams, but we don't think about positioning ourselves in the future Mm. when everything's gone the way we want it to. And then we look backwards and turn back time. It's all going to start with the step we take right now as soon as the show's finished. And it's one of the things that I think with podcasts is the value is you take one piece of gold, but then you've got to do something with it. Like you've got to take the step and break it down to the next notch. So uh, I thought that share turn back time would create some friction and would be predictably unpredictable for the Mojo Radio Show when the university is out. Nice. And you know what? Uh, you know what else causes friction? Tearing off gaffer tape. Right. If I could turn back time, if I could find a
Radio show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at the Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see GaryBurtWhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out VoodooSound.com.au and for the right voice, RealtimeCasting.com. Andrew Peters speaking. See you next time.